0: Well, I really like to try and get to the root cause of fertility issues. So, you know, rather than just being like, oh, it's unexplained infertility, we really delve into what's going on in the body.
1: Have you been searching for a community that gets it? Join me, your host, Monique, as we get real about the emotional, physical, mental and spiritual effects infertility has on its victims. Let's connect and heal together. I am one in eight, too. Thank you, friends, for tuning in to Infertility and Me podcast. Thank you so much for being here today and letting me be a part of your day. Today's guest is with Ms. Charlotte. She is a qualified and registered nutritional therapist and specializes in preconception care and fertility. In her vital practice, she focuses on root causes, individualized nutrition, and optimal health to give her clients the best chance at conception and having a healthy baby. She works with a diverse range of clients, from those looking to optimize their preconception well-being to helping clients with fertility issues, such as unexplained infertility, reoccurrent pregnancy loss, male factor infertility, immune and thyroid dysfunction, endometriosis, and PCOS, to supporting those navigating assisted conception. Charlotte created the Fertility Kitchen as a resource to empower women to take ownership of their fertility through nutrition and lifestyle medicine. She infuses joy into eating for fertility and provides a wealth of ideas and easygoing recipes. She believes food is the key to laying down the foundations for optimal fertility, IVF success, and healthy pregnancy, and is continually astounded by the medicinal effects of eating well. This drives her passion for cooking, lifestyle, and nutritional medicine. You can connect with Charlotte on her website at thefertilitykitchen.co.uk. And you can also follow her Instagram page, The Fertility Kitchen. Great, great content, awesome recipes, love Charlotte's work. And so she will be speaking to us today about how we can navigate the holidays and maintaining our healthy eating goals. And then also signs that we may be nutrient deficient and also some other things that she practices With her clients to help optimize their fertility. This episode is in conjunction with Kayla from the Hormone Puzzle. I thought that this week's theme should be nutrition because the holidays are coming up. New Year's is coming up. And so all of this is very important so that we can continue to uh, optimize our fertility journeys through healthy eating and lifestyle. So nutritional support will always be a theme here on Infertility and Me podcast, because guess what? We need to be healed physically as well when we're on our journeys to conception, especially through reproductive assistance and taking a lot of hormones. And maybe we weren't so conscious of our eating and not as intentional with being healthy physically through our nutrition. There was a time when I used to work out a lot and I didn't always eat the right things. And so, you know, I got away with it for a while because I was in my my early twenties and, you know, things are much easier for a lot of us at that time to maintain weight goals and such like that. But when we get a little older, we need an extra boost. And so eating the proper foods is about 80% of the battle with staying healthy does not necessarily mean we all want to be skinny and uh, supermodel skinny or anything like that, or, you know, be the buffest guy in town, but it does help and we'll feel much better, much lighter, and it will help our mental health as well because what we put into our bodies also affects our emotions and dealing with depression, anxieties, and all types of other negative emotions that we deal with in and out of fertility um, related emotions. So I hope that you have enjoyed. Monday's episode with Kayla, and also hope that you enjoyed today's episode with Charlotte Grand from the Fertility Kitchen. It's going to be such a pleasure to have her here. I'm so happy that she agreed to come on and speak to us and to help us navigate healthy eating. And also, friend, if you have not, please rate and review the Infertility and Me podcast on whatever platform you're on, but especially if you're listening through Apple Podcasts because it helps us spread the message of healing together even farther. And I would just so appreciate it. And it just lets me know what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong here on the Infertility and in Me podcast. So yeah, thank you friends for tuning in. And Miss Charlotte would be right with us. Tell me tell me a little bit about your journey, Charlotte. Um, How did you, did you have fertility issues that you struggled with and that kind of like fueled your passion for fertility?
0: Absolutely, yes. So I think it's the usual story where people mm-hmm. who work in fertility often experience problems themselves Um, So I had the kind of usual story where we got married and started trying straight away and naively expected it to happen immediately, as we all do. And when it didn't, um, I went off to see my GP, had all the kind of usual tests that they offer. So over here we get a hormone panel, a semen analysis, and if they're okay... We'll then go on to have uh, laparoscopy and hysteroscopy. or well, they did at the time. That's what I had. And everything was clear. So we were diagnosed with unexplained infertility. Okay. Which I think is such a rubbish diagnosis because it's <laughs> not unexplained. You know, there is a reason. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. I totally agree.
0: And so we were told that IVF was the only option for us. And after three years, we were referred for IVF. Mm. And that was a massive shock, actually, because at the time I wasn't expecting IVF, I thought maybe IUI or something like that. But okay. um, over here, it's, it's straight to IVF for unexplained infertility. Gotcha. And I had quite a good experience of IVF, actually, like, the, you know, the drugs, I didn't really have any side effects. And it all kind of went swimmingly. And I think that's because during my fertility journey, trying to conceive, I started to make lots of changes to my diet and lifestyle. So we were very fortunate to get pregnant on our first cycle of Mm. IVF. And we have our son, George, who is now eight. On that cycle, we also had one embryo to freeze and I had a frozen transfer. And sadly, that one didn't work out. Um, We then had a fresh cycle. And from that cycle, we had a chemical pregnancy. And then we had another fresh cycle. And from that cycle, I conceived um, our son, Alex, who is now five. My whole journey really started to spark an interest in nutrition, lifestyle, things that I could do to support myself and to give myself the best chance of conception and the best chance as well for, for IVF to go well. So initially, I kind of looked into acupuncture and that was amazing, loved it, and that led me to retrain in acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine. And then that naturally then led into training in nutrition because I realized how important nutrition was. And that helped me on my journey. And over time, I began to make lots of small, consistent changes to my diet. And then that all accumulated. And really, if you look at my diet now to what my diet was like when I first started trying to conceive, it's just a world away. And it's just come through learning, studying, and
1: experiencing the medicinal benefits of food. Well, that's still quite the journey, even though you got so lucky in the very beginning with your first son. But were you already in the nutritional field before you conceived your, your children?
0: No, I wasn't. So okay. I used to work in fashion. Um, and I was a buyer for a high street retailer. And um so it was a completely different career, and yeah. it was quite like very stressful, very busy. I loved it, but it was mega stressful.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine. I, I well, I can't imagine, but yeah, for sure, for sure. So it was during the time when you were trying to conceive your first son or your second son when you started on the path to getting educated, and you said that you had went through the acupuncture training. And they-
0: so the acupuncture started when I was trying to conceive my first son. So I okay. started acupuncture just to help with stress, I think initially, because my job was stressful. Right. And I found that it was it had a massive impact on my menstrual cycle. So although I had a very regular cycle,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um like textbook, you know, 28 days, but I had quite painful periods. Mm. and obviously we're kind of taught that that's normal and you just sort of put Mm. up with it but when I went to have acupuncture then the next period I had so I must have had two or three sessions of acupuncture and then the next period was completely pain-free and that was what really started the whole process because going from being doubled up in pain and taking painkillers every month just to get through my period to having no pain whatsoever and I haven't had any pain since then either
1: period. That was still get. I'm sorry, did you still do you still get
0: acupuncture? Uh,
1: I do actually not
0: very frequently nowadays. But at the time, I was having
1: weekly treatment. Okay, okay. I was just wondering if the longevity of you getting it on a weekly basis, for such and such amount of time made the difference in it not returning any of your PMS not returning as well, of course, as well as um, your approach to healthy eating and living.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think well, something happened in the first few sessions that really, uh, you know, helped me. And okay. we think, and then I did have it long term. So I did have acupuncture for a good few years every week. And then, um, but now I just have it whenever I feel like I need it.
1: Yeah, kind of get that inclination, that that, and that intuitive feeling of let me go and get a go, you know, sit in a session and stuff. Yeah, for sure. I understand. And so then when you began to study acupuncture and get really deep into your studies, did the light bulb then go off into for you to also study nutrition or did that come a little later?
0: That came a little later. Mm -hmm. So initially I was very focused on acupuncture and I knew all the way through that I wanted to specialize in fertility as soon as I qualified. So I went through my acupuncture degree with the intention to specialize. And then as soon as I qualified, I specialized in fertility. And worked with fertility clients treating them with acupuncture and then it was as I was treating clients and also addressing my own diet that I started to really think about how important nutrition was because a client was coming to see me say for acupuncture but if they keep going away and continuing with a bad diet then acupuncture can only do so much and it you need that nutrition side of things to help support the whole system. My interest in nutrition stemmed really from changes I made to my diet as well. I would say the kind of light bulb moment for nutrition was that I used to have asthma and I decided to cut out dairy just to see if that would improve things. Mm. And it was about three months after not having dairy at all that I realized that I'd gone from having taking my inhaler every day To not at all, and I haven't had asthma since, which is crazy, Um, because that was diagnosed when I was like five or six. Right, it's usually pretty early. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'd been taking an inhaler for years, and and it was like, wow, this is really powerful.
1: Yeah,
0: Um, and so that sort of led into me going then back to college again to study nutrition.
1: You know, that brings a thought up for me. I don't know if you had if you guys had the same type of commercial, you know, because a lot of big companies, they use the same commercial but in a different way between the US and other continents. So there used to be a commercial, I remember growing up in the 90s and in the late 80s, and it was of a girl. Who was normal size, and then there was a guy next to her, and then one of them would drink milk, dairy milk. And then, like the next slide, would be the one who was drinking milk would be big and strong and look so healthy and athletic and beautiful or handsome or something like that. And how they, you know, society pushed uh, lactose on us so much during that time, uh, especially in the 80s and the 90s when people started consuming it in large quantities. And I just think that well, it's just wow. Your uh, experience with asthma and then getting rid of the dairy just reminded me of that, and mm. how we have to like pick and really pick and choose what's best for us and and eliminate what doesn't work.
0: Yeah, exactly, and and it's also important to think about what what works or doesn't work for you, and it's not necessarily going to be the same for everybody. So yeah, you know, yeah. lots of people can tolerate milk and they're fine mm. on it, but but for me, it just doesn't work. Yeah, and um, it's about you know, learning what works for you and what doesn't work for you. So it's very much an individualized approach.
1: For sure. Do you find with your clients that some of them used to be able to tolerate certain things when they've shown you maybe their food diary and tell you a little bit about their past, maybe when they were younger? And do you find a common, a commonality that people, as they grow older, you know, they get into their 30s, they aren't able to tolerate some things that they used to be able to and then they to eliminate it and they've grown so attached to it and we have so much emotion attached to food.
0: Yes, definitely. I think sometimes there can be other triggers. So like stress might trigger you to then not be able to tolerate certain foods. Yeah. But also it can be a kind of accumulation over time. So when you're young, you can handle things and as you get older things don't work quite so well and then you can't handle what you used to be able to handle. And alcohol yeah. is a good example of that oh because gosh, yeah. when you're, you know, you're going out and your drinking days, you can have a drink and not wake up with a hangover. Yeah, and then as you get sure. older, you start to get a hangover. So age is a factor as well.
1: Okay. And what are some things that we can look out for where we may have some nutrient deficiencies and that they also, being deficient in that also decreases our fertility and conception chances, whether it's naturally or through reproductive assistance.
0: Um, well, there's vast array of... Exactly. Vitamins. Yeah, for sure. So vitamin D is, is quite a key one. Okay. And the way that you would find out if you're deficient in that is to have a blood test. Okay. So... I would always recommend doing that, not blindly supplementing either. So, so making sure that you're supplementing what you need to supplement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, iron is another one, and I would get testing for that. But especially if you have a history of heavy blood loss. So okay. if you have a heavy periods, then you would definitely want to have your iron levels checked. And there's some other symptoms that might come with that. So you might be tired and um, you might get breathless and maybe dizzy on standing, things like that. Okay. Zinc is super important for fertility, especially um, male fertility. And a, a really simple measure of, on the body of knowing whether you're deficient in zinc is to look at your fingernails, and if you have lots of white spots on your fingernails, then mm. that can signify zinc deficiency. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's there's a vast array really, and it's about looking at someone's food diary their intake their history what how they've eaten and then having blood tests or other tests to see what what is deficient um, rather than blindly supplementing if you don't need it
1: yeah 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 and so when you when you get your when you get your clients and they reach out to you and they say you know i've been doing ivf for so long and it's not really working for us. Do you find yourself, if they're going to come into your care, do you recommend that they break, take a break from their treatment so that you can help them nutritionally, which of course detoxes and cleanses the body naturally through foods, or can they follow your plan and work with you while going through their reproductive assistance?
0: Yeah, I I do work with both types of of clients. So some will want to take a break. They've had enough of treatment and they want to just kind of optimize their health before they consider having treatment again. And others really want to plow ahead. You know, it's down to the client and their individual circumstances, So maybe if someone's older, then I wouldn't necessarily recommend waiting, Mm -hmm. but if they're younger and they have time on their side, then I might suggest that they do have a break if they feel they can from treatment so that we can really establish a good baseline health before they go for treatment again. So it's really down to the individual client, what their preferences are and how they're doing emotionally as well, Mm -hmm. whether
1: they feel equipped to go through IVF again. And how do you feel about the connection with food and our emotional state? Do you think that there's a connection in improving our emotional state, mental state, uh, dealing with anxieties and depression through food?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Depression in particular has been linked to to certain nutrient deficiencies. So vitamin D is one that springs to mind. But other other foods really can affect your mood because you know how that affects your Mm -hmm. mood. So if you have lots of sugar, you might feel really good for a short period of time and then you might have a bit of a crash so you'll see how you'll note for yourself how how food does affect how you're feeling Um, sugar is one that really I see time and time again linked to sort of stress poor mood (laughs) anxiety as well and it really is something that we could do without in our diets Mm. but it's the one thing that has a, a big hold over most people
1: yeah so addictive too especially the processed sugars and not the you know maybe the stevia is not as bad but yeah for sure i agree i totally agree do you have any recommendations that you could give our listener friends for the holidays especially here in the u.s we have a lot of holidays coming up so is there anything that we can do to stay on track but still enjoy the holidays without putting so many restrictions on ourselves because I feel like we overwhelm ourselves sometimes with nutrition instead of just taking it, you know, piece by piece, little by little, and then building up on that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you've hit the nail on the head, really small, consistent changes are going to be much more sustainable over time than trying to do loads of things in one go. So that's kind of how I changed my diet. It was the first thing I ditched actually was um, sugar and then it was dairy. And, you know, so over time I made lots of small changes. And once I mastered them, I then moved on to the next one. So that's an approach that I recommend for people. Coming up to the holiday season might not be the time that you decide to do a massive overhaul. Um, mm-hmm. It might be the time that you decide to pick one or two things and master them before you move on. I think planning ahead is really key. Okay. So if you've got lots of events coming up, then planning and thinking about what you're going to be eating and drinking at that event can really help so that you can then think ahead and think, okay, do I need to take some food with me? And also picking out things that you might want to indulge in and making sure that that day is that's the only thing that you indulge in. So, you know, if you're going to a dinner and you're going to have a pudding or a sweet, then think, okay, well, I'm best not to eat any sweet in, during the day leading up to that. Yeah. So that you're, you know, not having lots of sugar in the day and then going and having sugar in the evening right. as well. Being kind to yourself though as mm-hmm. well. So if you do have a binge or you do go out and really go for it, that, you know, that's fine. Just get back on track the next day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you have a blowout at lunchtime, I yeah. think, oh, my day is ruined. I might as well... Go the whole hog and carry on you know if you if you go mad at lunchtime i think okay well that was great i enjoyed it and now i'm going to get back on track and then get back on track straight after lunch um, you know don't let it all go for the entire day and in terms of like minimizing your alcohol intake, just making sure that you've got alternatives and that you know what you're going to drink. T- take a drink with you if you're going to a party, and maybe sharing with your friends and family what you're doing and why, because that's really going to help if they're supportive. I mean, sabotage is quite common, yeah. Um, and friends and family can sometimes be like, "Oh, go on, it's fine," <laughs> you know, and that's quite difficult to navigate, especially when you're in the party mood and you can just think oh yeah it's fine but I think if you take them aside beforehand and explain to them this is what I'm doing it's really important to me this is why I'm doing it then usually they're supportive the other thing that you can do as well is just to think about the 80-20 rule and this is about eating as well as you can 80% of the time and then 20% of the time, you allow yourself to eat imperfectly, and you don't beat yourself up about it. You say, this is what I'm going to have, and I'm going to really enjoy it. And then the rest of the time, I'm going to stick to the other way of eating. And a final thing, I guess, is to really focus on nourishment and not restriction. So, So rather than thinking, I can't have this, I can't have that, I can't have the other... You can think, well, I can have that, but I'm choosing not to. Mm-hmm. And instead, I'm going to nourish my body with all of this and then really focus on everything else that you can have. And then when you the things that you do have, just make them as tasty and delicious as possible. Use yeah. herbs and spices and you know tap into nature's menu, really, because there's an abundance of lovely flavors if you kind of get rid of the sugar flavor. Yeah, yeah.
1: Because <laughs> I think that, <is> that really <laughs> does Noma at The battle, bud. yeah, for sure. When you when you really cut out sugar, it definitely changes your taste buds and what you crave. It takes a little work, but it's worth it in the end and you won't feel you know, trapped by this addictive thing that man has created, you know, so um that's wonderful. Can you tell us a little bit about your program and and what that looks like coming in as a first-time client and what are some of the things you focus on in the immediate sense of your clients and their, their plan moving forward for fertility?
0: I don't tend to work with clients on like one-off appointments. I tend to work with them on a package because I find that gives the best results where they're committing to a program and we're working together quite intensively for usually a 3 month um, period if not longer and so we start off with a really lengthy and in-depth consultation, and we just go through a complete health history, family history, fertility and IVF history. And it's it's a long appointment. It's about 90 minutes, and, mm-hmm. but we really do a deep dive into history, and it's a 360-degree approach. So we okay. don't just focus on the reproductive system, like conventional medicine tends to just focus on that. So. Yeah. You know, they're looking at your female sex hormones and your womb. And and that kind of is the extent of their investigation. So this is looking at the body as one whole. And it's looking at every aspect of your health and well-being that then might have an impact on your fertility so after the first appointment I put together a fertility optimization plan and that includes nutrition recommendations it includes recipes sometimes I'll do a meal plan depending on the client's needs I'll do lifestyle advice a supplement protocol and any testing recommendations so if I suspect there's a nutrient deficiency or um, maybe I might suspect that there's thyroid issues then (laughs) I would refer for lab testing and then working together going forward we just build on that plan really so at future appointments we get results back I, I really educate and empower so I'm very much about making sure that my clients know what I'm suggesting and why and also what their test results mean and making sure that they're really clear and they understand because I think when you understand what's going on and why it really makes that the advice a lot easier to stick to
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because you're not just blindly following someone's advice. You 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 understand why they're telling you what they're recommending. That's that's kind of how I work really. very collaborative, so I'm not kind of recommending punishing miserable regimes for people. It's very much <laughs> about working together and fitting new recommendations into their existing diet and kind of pepping that up and bolstering it with lots of lovely nutrient-dense foods um you know focusing on the the kind of abundance rather than restriction so yeah we work together over time and usually well I really like to try and get to the root cause of fertility issues so you know rather than just being like oh it's unexplained infertility we're really delve into
1: what's going on in the body wonderful do you work with couples as well
0: yes I do yes and I mean I I say I kind of gear my business towards women but that's because they're the proactive ones who -hmm. who seek support and you know I don't think I've ever had an inquiry from a man Mm -hmm. it's always the woman but then oftentimes then the men absolutely want to get involved so I definitely work with couples as well Yeah, and it's just that they don't seek out that
1: support. They have to have that extra nudge most of the time. So yeah, I could definitely see how they would come in in the middle or something like that. Yeah, for sure. So can you give us your website and then where we can find you on Instagram? I said it in the intro, but I want to reiterate it here at the end so that everyone can follow you and get connected.
0: Okay, sure. So my website is thefertilitykitchen.co.uk and on Instagram, I'm at thefertilitykitchen.
1: Wonderful. And on there, I share all sorts of lovely recipes. Yes. Everything looks so divine. And even the, the freebie that you give away on your website too is is awesome. So you guys make sure you get a hold of that as well. Uh, thank you so much, Charlotte, for coming on the podcast and trying to help us stay in line with our fertility. And I hope that you will take advantage, friends, uh, those who are listening of Charlotte services to optimize your fertility journey and get some help with nutrition because nutrition is very overwhelming if you don't know where to start and where to begin moving forward with trying to conceive. I appreciate you so much, Charlotte, for your time. I know it's late there. Thank you so much. It's been lovely chatting to you. Thank you guys for tuning in to Infertility and Me podcast. Peace and blessings.